This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. Open your Bibles this morning to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to focus this morning again on a Thanksgiving theme. Thanksgiving is so prominent in the Bible, we probably don't preach about it enough, but it's just a vital part of our life in Christ. And so we're looking today at another text that focuses in part on Thanksgiving and some of the things that just spring from a relationship with Jesus, expressions of love. Colossians 3 and verses 12 through 17, just a beautiful, beautiful text of of what life in Christ and our our life together as a, a, a church family is to be about. Let's take a look at it together. Colossians 3 and beginning with verse 12, if you'll follow along in your copy of God's Word. It says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Father, we do pray that as we approach Your word now, that You would make it speak to our hearts, that it would dwell in us richly, and that our lives would be the overflow of, of your word, your spirit dwelling richly within us. And so we ask that you would speak to each one of us now, uh, right at the point of, of our deepest need. And you know what those needs are, and you know the, the, the good things that you intend to do in our lives in the, over these next few minutes. And so we pray that you would rid us of any distraction, help us to lock in, and to focus now on your word and allow you to speak to us through it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the final figures are still coming in on Black Friday sales in America, but uh, apparently uh, people were making a lot of purchases on Black Friday, and one of the main things that they were buying were new sets of clothes. That's kind of the metaphor that the Apostle Paul uses here in Colossians 3. When he talks about putting on these things, the word picture that he has in mind is like putting on a new wardrobe. And if people were putting on these virtues at the same rate that they're putting on clothes that they're buying off the racks, then our world would be a radically different place. Because these things that we're to put on are expressions of love for, for others 
and for God. We're going to take a look at both of them this morning. The first thing that we see here is that we're to put on, in verses 12 through 15, these expressions of love for others. So let's look again at verses 12 through 15. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. So Paul here tells us that we are to put on these virtues just like we would put on a new set of clothes. And, and these things that we're to put on stand in stark contrast to the things that we are to put to death, which he talks about in verses 5 through 9 of Colossians 3. Let's look at that. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. So would you rather live in a Colossians 3, 12 through 15 community, or would you rather live in a Colossians 3, 5 through 9 community? We'd rather live in a, a verses 12 through 15 community, but... The world that we're living in looks an awful lot like verses 5 through 9, doesn't it? But that gives us an opportunity to stand out all the more for Christ. Because as we put on the things that are talked about in verses 12 through 15, our lives are going to shine like stars against the, the darkness of night. And we're going to be better able to point people to the light of the world, who is Jesus. So let's kind of walk through uh, verses 12 through 15 here. And he says here in verse 12, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So he says, as those who are chosen and holy and beloved, we are to, to put on these things. Chosen, holy, and beloved. This is who you are in Christ. You have been called out from the world to belong to him. You are chosen. You have been set apart from sin to belong exclusively to God. You are holy. And you have been adopted as a son or daughter of God through Christ. He has 
put his love upon you as his child. You are beloved by him. So as his children, as those who are chosen and holy and beloved of the Lord, then we are to put on these virtues. Now, it's extremely important that we get the order straight here. Because he does not say, put on these virtues and then God will love you. He says, because God has loved you, you are to put on these things. Because you are already beloved of the Lord, you are to put on compassion and kindness and and all the rest. You see, this is the difference between religion and Christianity. Religion says, I am going to seek to obey God and hopefully he will then love me and accept me. Christianity says, God loves me and accepts me because of what Christ has done and therefore I desire to obey him because I am loved. And so our obedience is springing from the fact that we have already been loved. We are already accepted because of what Jesus has done. And so now we seek to obey him because we love him. And so as those who are chosen, holy, and beloved, we are to put on what? First of all, in in, in verse 12, he says that we're to put on compassionate hearts. Compassion here is pity and tenderness for those who are hurting. It's what Christ had for us when we were lost. Matthew 9.36 says that when Jesus saw the crowds, that he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he tells us in verse 12 also that we are to put on kindness. Kindness is a sweetness of disposition. You know, often we can be known as Christians for the things that we're against, but what if we were known for our kindness? And then we're to put on in verse 12 humility and meekness. Meekness is often translated as gentleness. And the more that we understand that it's our own sin that is the problem first, before anybody else's sin, the more humble we will be and the more gentle we will be with people And also it produces a couple of other things, and we see them in verses 12 and 13, and that's patience. And and, and, and we're to be forgiving one another, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. And notice here that Paul grounds all of this in the gospel. He says that we are to be forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And he says the same thing in Ephesians 4.32, when he says there to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Who are we to receive 
the forgiveness of God. We have been on the receiving end of so much forgiveness from God. Who are we to receive this forgiveness and then turn around and withhold forgiveness from someone else? That would be like the height of hypocrisy. And then he says in verse 14 that we are to put on love, which pulls all of these other things together. Look at verse 14. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. In the ancient world, people would wear tunics, kind of long, flowing robes. And the thing that would bind the, the robes together was the belt. The belt would sort of pull everything together. And that's the word picture here. It says that love is like the belt of these virtues. Love is the virtue that encompasses all of these things, that binds all of these other virtues together. The great pastor and theologian Jonathan Edwards once wrote a book called Charity and Its Fruits, which was all about love and the way that, that love just sort of binds all these virtues together in the way that we treat people. And Edwards said this about it. He said, love will dispose people to meekness and gentleness toward their neighbors and not to treat them with passion or violence or heat of spirit, but with moderation and calmness and kindness. It will check and restrain anything like a bitter spirit, for love has no bitterness in it, but is a gentle and sweet disposition. It will prevent quarrels and will dispose people to peaceableness and to forgive injurious treatment received from others. A cold and hard-hearted Christian is the greatest absurdity and contradiction. It is as if one should speak of dark brightness or of a false truth. Love will dispose people toward all acts of mercy, toward their neighbors when they are under any affliction. Love is the root and spring, as it were, of all virtues. And then in verse 15, he tells us to put on peace. He says there, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And again, he uses a word picture here, which is very vivid, because the, the, the picture that we see here in, in, in the Greek, when he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, the picture is like an umpire in an athletic contest who is, is making the, who's, in, who's making the rules, who's making the, the calls in the athletic contest. And, and he's, at, and, and the question is, when, when we're in relationship with others, how do we, how do we rule? How do we, how do we make the call as far as how we should treat other people when there's any sort of a conflict? And when he says, let the peace of Christ rule, what he means is that we're going to, to act and, and speak in such a way that we want to preserve the, the peace of the body of Christ because we've been called together to, to be unified, to be one body. Okay? And it doesn't mean peace at any price. It doesn't mean that we would you know, compromise the word of God in order to, to have peace uh, and deny the truth of the Bible in order to have peace. That would be a false peace. But it means that in relationships, when, when there's any kind of a conflict in the family or in the family of God, 
that we want to we want to make that call. We want to we want to in such a way that the the peace of Christ is more likely to rule. And so when there's an issue with a brother or sister in Christ, what should we do? We should go to them directly to them in humility and gentleness in love and, and speak the truth in love and, and seek to work it out that way. And 99% of the time when we do that, it does get worked out. And the misunderstanding is, 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 is cleared up. And the, the, the peace of Christ is able to rule in the body of Christ because we've been called to be one in Him. And so these are all virtues that we are to put on, the new wardrobe that we're to put on in how we are to treat other people. Now, in the latter part of verse 15 through verse 17, he sort of moves from the horizontal to the vertical, sort of moves from how we are to treat others to how we should express our love for God. So let's look beginning with the latter part of verse 15 where he says, and be thankful. Thanksgiving is a huge deal in the Christian life, which is why we've taken a couple of Sundays this year just to, just to hone in on this virtue because just, it just impacts so many other areas of our lives if we have a, if we have a grateful heart, an attitude of, of gratitude. It impacts everything. And the failure to have a a thankful heart, the failure to give thanks to God is at the root of so many of, the, of our problems as human beings. You know, in Romans 1, when Paul is talking about sort of the, the fallout from sin and the way that sin has produced so much misery and futility in the world, he says that the failure to honor God by giving thanks to him is right at the heart of that. It says in Romans 121 about humanity, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And then notice in verse 16, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, one of the things that helps us to have a thankful heart is to allow God's word to dwell in us richly. Because the more that we understand and take in the Word of God and allow God's Word to, to dwell in us richly, the more that we're going to give thanks. Because the more we're going to understand His promises, the more we're going to understand His love. We're just going to understand those things in a deeper way as we take in the Word of God and allow the Word of God really to dwell in us richly. And what that, that means is that instead of just sort of letting God's Word flow through us like water through a pipe, it means that we're, we're more like a bag of tea 
that is being steeped you know, in hot water. And so, and so the, the, the Word of God gets steeped in our lives and it's, and it's working its way out. It's permeating through our lives and, and through the way that we, that we, that we conduct our lives. That's, that's letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. So what does that mean? It means that we should be immersing ourselves in our Bibles for sure, not only in our own personal lives, but, but in the body of Christ. Right? We need biblical teaching. Right? We need that in, in small groups and classes. We need that in large groups like this. We need to be a part of a church where the Word of God is taught. And that's the, that's the picture here of the body life of the church that he's talking about when he says in verse 16 that we're to be teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And, and then not only uh, teaching the Word of God, but singing the Word of God psalms and hymns and, and, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We, we need a church family where the Word of God is taught, where the Word of God is sung, and we need to be getting into God's Word on others, other days besides the days that we gather with our, our church family so that His Word is dwelling in us richly. And listen, the natural overflow of that is thanksgiving. The more that you're blown away by God's Word and His, his promises and His love, I mean, thanksgiving is just spills out from that. And look at verse 17. He says here, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So this is all-encompassing. He says, whatever you do in word, and that means everything that you say and the way that you say it, and everything you do, every, your, every deed, every action that you take, right, in all of these things, what you, what you speak, what you do, he says to, to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, what does this mean when he says to do everything in the name of Jesus, to speak in the name of Jesus, to, uh, to act in the name of Jesus? What exactly is he talking about there? He means that you represent Christ in everything that you do. In everything that you say and how you say it, you represent Christ. That's what it means to do it in the, the, the name of, of, of Christ. You represent him. You know, we're at a stage in our country where there's a new ad- administration coming in and the government, and so every day we're hearing about new uh, members of the cabinet and new ambassadors that are being chosen and so forth. And they're going to, what, represent our country, right? But 2 Corinthians 5 says that we are ambassadors for Christ and that we represent the King of Kings. And we represent Him every day, wherever we are. We represent Him in everything that we do and in everything that we say. How well do we represent our King? I was reading something Recently, and it was an article about a, a, a lady, uh, Linda Wilson Allen, and she's a, a bus driver in San Francisco. And she has, has 
created a community of love and blessing in one of the most unlikely places, a, a downtown bus route. But this newspaper article was talking about the fact that, that Linda is no ordinary driver. She gets to know the people on her route, and she learns their names. And when she sees somebody, like she saw a particular woman named Ivy who was struggling with a bunch of grocery bags, she got off the bus and helped her. And then she saw another, another lady named Tanya who was beneath the bus shelter, and, and she looked confused. And so she got off the bus, and it turns out that Tanya was new in town. And so she invited Tanya to come over and to experience Thanksgiving with her family. And so now there, there are people who, 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 who arrange their day so that they can, they can ride the bus on, on Linda's route because they experience love there. And she tells people on her bus that she loves them. And so many of them bring her, you know, plants and flowers. And she's had riders to offer her the use of their vacation homes and so forth. And they bring her scarves because she likes to accessorize her, her uniform with, with different scarves. There's just this, this incredible community that has developed in the most unlikely places. What gives her such a, such a, 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 a thankful heart? And the article went on to say that uh, Linda's day begins with about 30 minutes on her, on her knees before God. And she said in the article, there's a lot to talk about with the Lord. And she's an active member of her, of her local church, and she's, she's representing the king where she is. I mean, think about what a thankless task that would be. Uh, you know, she, she's dealing with uh, impatient people, mean people, Cranky people, um, uh, engine breakdowns, traffic and trash in the seats. But there's this heart that's overflowing with thanksgiving, love. She's put on these things as she's representing her king where she is. You represent the king. Wherever you go, whatever you do, never forget that you are representing a higher authority in everything you do, in everything you say, in the way that you say it. You're representing Christ. You are His ambassador. And so, in a culture like ours, which is a lot like verses 5 through 9, when we put on the things that He talks about in verses 12 through 17, we are going to stand out. Don't be part of the, of the thankless herd. Be a person who is making an impact. Be a verses 12 through 17 person in a verses 5 through 9 world, and I guarantee you, you will make an impact for the king. Let's pray. Father, we do desire to represent you well in all that we do and say. And so we pray that, that as we put on these virtues because of your great love, we don't put on these things in order to try to earn your love and acceptance. We know that you have loved and accepted us in Christ because of what Christ has done for us and dying for our sins on the cross and, and, and being raised from the dead. Uh, we know that those of us who have turned to Jesus and trusted in him are, are already 
accepted by you and loved by you. And so because of that, we, we want to go out as your, as your people, holy, chosen, and beloved. And we want to put on these expressions of love for you and love for others. Help us to do that by your grace and for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and God's speaking to you about a relationship with Him, uh, we would love to talk with you and, and, and pray with you. If God's speaking to you about saying, I, I, you know, I want to link my life to this church, I want to be part of this church family as we seek to serve the King together, uh, then we would want to welcome you and invite you to come as we stand. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1.12, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine, Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father, and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to Him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where His love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I can help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.